0: Coming back is a listener supported podcast. To support the show and get exclusive access to podcast swag, giveaways, private grief hangouts and more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Shelby for Scythia. Support the show for as little as $1 per month and change or cancel your support at any time. Thank you so much for listening. Grief Growers, I am also setting sail on the 2019 Bereavement Cruise. To join me and a boatload of other grieving hearts as we travel to Haiti, Jamaica, and Mexico, go to www.comingbackcruise.com, where you can sign up to receive more information on the cruise's sail dates, grief presenters, and onboard activities. I'll see you on the open seas. Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after loss. On today's show, I'm talking to Anna Elizabeth, founder and creator of the Five Facets of Healing, about the seven years of loss that turned her world upside down, and the questions she asked herself that put her on the road to healing. Also on the show today, I'm announcing my upcoming Patreon hangout date and giving a little bit of air time to a very amazing woman. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide who speaks, writes, and teaches powerful truths on grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hi everyone, and welcome to Coming Back. Thank you so much for being here this week, for tuning in today. And for continuing to come back to coming back. It is always good to know that there are ears that are listening. That there are people on the other side of this. Um. So this week has been a little nuts. It's been a little heavy. It's been a little shocking. It's been a little bit uh, overwhelming. And it's just been a little bit... It's been relentless uh, this week, grief growers. It it kind of started off last Thursday, Friday ish, with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, and tuning into that was the first time I latched on to the news, I think, in months. And here in the United States, there's this sense of the grief of not being heard. And it exists on both sides of the aisle, but there are so many different ways that Brett Kavanaugh could have responded to the allegations of sexual assault coming from Dr. Ford that he just did not, he chose not to. And there's such a recognition as a grief expert that I have of the griefs that we have as a society and not talking about these things that have hurt, these things that we don't remember, these things that are heavy, these things where there is shame and stereotype and old, old, old stories involved. And uh, it feels like there's just a lot of screaming going on. And that's really hard. And as a woman, it also feels like there's a lot of not listening happening, going on too. And there are there are well-intentioned people, there are well-intentioned men on the other side who are saying, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And sometimes it's kind of the same way with grief where it's like, I'm, I'm the woman in this situation. I am the storyteller in this situation. It's not my job to teach you how to be better at this, better about this. Um, So, so that's, that's heavy this week. Uh, I can't grieve and then also do the work of teaching you how to help me grieve you know so just just carrying that around a bit and just the energy that comes with that and being in public spaces and and all that jazz um i also found out this week on friday late in the afternoon that i will not be partnering uh with Legacy.com for further coverage of Sorry for Your Loss. This was very unexpected, seeing as the next coverage date for Sorry for Your Loss, which was supposed to be today, October 3rd, was uh, designated on September 19th, which was the first day that I recorded for them and then uh, and then went off the air. And there was such a uh, good reception to that that we agreed to continue the contract, continue the partnership, continue the event. And unfortunately, shockingly, surprisingly to me, that's no longer happening. And so I just wanted to say I'm sorry to anybody who is out there listening and waiting to hear me on this. Uh, um, it won't be happening. And that's sad for me as it's sad for you because I was very excited, not only just about watching the show, which I'm continuing to do, but but for talking about it and broadcasting it and for having grief uh, be given such a large microphone on the biggest social media platform in the world. It was very exciting to be able to cover and to pull in resources from previous grief growers from previous guests on the show, and to books that I've loved and recommended uh, since day one of this podcast. So so that was a little jarring and crazy. Uh, and also this weekend, if you are in my Permission to Grieve launch team, my second private group on Facebook for my book, my upcoming book, Permission to Grieve, you know that I released the introduction to my book on Sunday. And there is a lot of energy that goes into allowing other eyeballs on your heart's work for the very first time. Not only to creating it, to finishing it, to putting, you know, touches, final touches on it, to to getting it ready for the world. but um, But to putting it out in the world to this select group of people and then holding your breath and waiting for it to come back with you. Uh, come back to you with notes and with thoughts and with, you know, excitement or corrections, or um, I don't understand, or can you elaborate more on this? And so that's, that's just an ongoing process as well. And I'm just, uh, I'm going off the cuff today, uh, Grave Growers, I'm kind of going off script, because it's just been a hard week. It's been a hard week. I've not been doing tops of the show like I normally do to spend time in the book. But I've also, you know, been promoted to salary at my job. And so I've been spending more time there. And there's things, you know, going on in my family and my private life and just around the world that are that are heavy. And just feeling very, very heavy this week. This is hard. But I, I made an Instagram post earlier this week that was more or less like my fierce insistence there's almost like a stubborn insistence that I have to keep doing this work because I know that every time I get on this mic and talk to you I'm talking to myself every time I discuss grief with someone else I'm discussing grief with myself and every time I write about grief I'm writing about grief with myself and there's um, there's a healing on my end that comes from serving you from being of service to you and it's not always immediate, it's not always inherent, sometimes it does come later. But I know that this is what I'm supposed to continue to do because every single time I jump on the microphone to do this show, and I read off the introduction, which I read fresh every single time, I get chills, and if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know that getting chills is my sign for, yes, we're in alignment here. Yes, there's a divine download happening. You'll hear me say this later in the show in my interview actually that that something important is happening here. And I know that to be true. Grief growers, just know that um, this week, what is important, what is awesome, what is cool, what is transformational is also heavy. And those two things don't cancel each other out. I absolutely fucking love the work that I do. I love being here for you. I love talking about grief, researching grief, partnering with other people on grief, leading, you know, private hangouts and Facebook lives on grief. I love all of it. I truly do. Um, but being as awake as I am in the world to grief, to pain, to old stories and things that need healing, just that energy, it can also just be very exhausting. So there's there's been a bit of a, a tidal wave this week, just riding a big one. I do want to say... Um, before we jump into the interview this week, that um, I'll be hosting my next Patreon hangout on Monday, October 22nd at 8 o'clock p.m. That's a little over three weeks from now. And traditionally, this is something that I have only offered to my highest level patrons on Patreon. But this month, I want to change that. This month, I want to make this event Available to everyone who is pledging to support the show on Patreon. So if you're pledging a dollar, if you're pledging $12, if you're pledging $3, $5, $2, I don't care. I would love to see you on this Patreon Hangout Live. Um, if you're supporting the show at any dollar amount and just want to spend some time with me this month talking about grief and asking questions uh, and saying hello to other people that are in the Patreon and the Grief Growers community all live for an entire hour. I would absolutely love if you would join me on Google Hangouts on October 22nd at 8 o'clock p.m. Central. I'll uh, post the link in the Patreon page after this episode airs, and I'll post it again. I usually post it about three times before the air date, so everybody makes sure they has, have the link to it. Um, but yeah, I'll be very excited to see you there. It's It's been pressing on my heart to open this up to more people uh, lately. And I feel like, I feel like now's a good time. Maybe uh, we can all help each other carry the heaviness that's existing in the world and within each of our hearts. This month, that sounds like it's very appropriate. So, so that's what I'll be doing. So stay tuned if you're a Patreon supporter for that link. And if you're not supporting the show on Patreon yet, but want to join us, you can join for any dollar amount, patreon.com slash Shelby for Scythia. And the links on my website, if you're looking to find it or in the show notes for this podcast, and you can pledge for a dollar a month, three bucks a month, which is essentially like a cup of coffee, $12 a month, which is like a book, like a hardcover book a month or uh, the highest level is that $33 a month, which is essentially like getting a subscription box. So, yeah, but this month I just wanted to open it up a little bit to say hello in that space. Um lastly today, I wanted to honor I wanted to honor and say hello to the loss of a fellow grave podcaster's mother. Uh, Darwin Dave, who was on episode 38 of Coming Back, lost his mother unexpectedly yesterday, October 2nd. And when crappy things happen in my life, I kind of expect myself to go off the grid for a little bit. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but I, I suppose I expect that to be the common response. And Darwin kind of, kind of, I say kind of, but but really supremely surprised me this morning in publishing a tribute to his mom through his podcast dealing with my grief that aired just this morning. And I'm getting chills as I say this. It's just, I stood in my shower and cried as I was listening to this this morning. It is a powerful reminder of what grief looks like in the immediate aftermath of loss and how love, 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 Love continues to live on and also the importance of what Darwin always likes to call the T word, which is time. And I I was just so moved by this this week. I, I audibly gasped. I was at work when I found out that his mother passed away and it just brought tears to my eyes. Darwin, I am so sorry for the loss of your mom. One of my favorite memories of her is when you interviewed her on your podcast on dealing with my grief, and she was so honest about her life and your life and the life you shared together. And she was also so funny. I had moments where I was listening to her and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that just came out of her mouth. And um, I also saw in her strength and in her spirit that, as they say, the apple does not fall very far from the tree. So that interview with her was just an incredible look at who she was and who she had to be for you. When you lost your dad, she lost her husband when you were 10. And Darwin, I am so honored to have known your mother by extension through you and through your show. And I hope all of my grief growers listening today will just share in sending you some love at this time on this day. So grief growers, if it's okay with you, I just want to take a brief moment to honor Darwin's mom, her life, and her memory on the show today. So I invite all
1: of you to hold space with me for one minute here I'm Coming Back. thank you. Thank you for that today, grief growers.
0: If you are interested in hearing Darwin's tribute to his mom, all you have to do is search for the podcast Dealing With My Grief, wherever you get podcasts and listen to episode 129, which is aptly called Orphaned at 51. Goodbye, Mom. Welcome to A New Grief. (laughs) Next up, my conversation with Anna Elizabeth, whose avalanche of losses prompted her to ask what makes people come back and drove her to create her own framework for grief called The Five Facets of Healing. Anna is the Five Facets of Healing founder and creator of The Five Facets Philosophy on Healing, a groundbreaking guide that helps you live your best personal, professional, and philanthropic life, even in the face of extreme adversity. She is a published author a TEDx keynote and community speaker, a workshop facilitator, a continuing education trainer, and a guest lecturer. Anna's wellness solutions empower the grieving with tips, strategies, and resources that support them in both the active grief and beyond bereavement phases. Anna's programs include academic and alternative modalities, all designed to meet the unique and preferred needs of each individual. Her writings and work have been featured in numerous online magazines, radio and TV programs, and national live events. The strength of Anna's voice lies in a hope that transports all of us into the realm of possibility and peace. She lives in upstate New York with her husband, numerous pets, and is the proud mother of four charming and witty children in various states of independence, three here on earth and one in heaven. She loves connecting and invites you to join her neighborhoods at www.thefivefastsofhealing.com on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also join her private Facebook group called All Things Grief, Hope, and Healing. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm so excited to have you on the show, not just as a fellow grief cruise presenter, but uh, as a fellow grief person a person in the grief sphere as well so Anne, if you could we start every single show here on coming back off with a person's lost story i would love
1: if you'd share that with our listeners today hi yes thank you shelby for having me on as a guest today i appreciate that and to all of our guests listening now and later um welcome and thank you for being here So my story, obviously, you know, as humans, we experience grief throughout our entire lives, big and little losses from the time we're children until the time we leave this earth. But my um, first significant loss began on May 11th of 1990, when my firstborn died suddenly following unexpected delivery complications. And over the next seven years, I would go on to experience two miscarriages, three more complicated but successful pregnancies, a six-week psychiatric stay for severe depression, and six weeks before my youngest child was born, I discovered that my husband and my best friend were having an affair. So in that seven-year period, um, there were many events that encompassed many forms of loss. And I remember being in the hospital just days after my son died, thinking that I did not want to spend a lifetime mourning him. I didn't know what that meant, what it looked on the other side or how I was ever going to get there. But I knew what I didn't want. And through all of those losses, there was one question that just drove me. And that was, how is it that some people can go on to live happy, fulfilled lives following tragedy, mishap or mayhem while others succumb to things like drugs, despair, a life of void or suicide? And I just, I knew that there was something on the other side. And so I chased that question. And as we do in life, you know, I, I would delve into those answers for a while and then life would come in and I would table that for a while and grieve and live and love and laugh and cry and then I would come back to that question and ultimately, um, I, it was about a 20-year journey, I ended up compiling all of the answers to that one question and obviously that question spawned more questions But I compiled all of those answers that I found into the program that I do call the Five Facets Philosophy on Healing.
0: That's such a story that's reflective of, I'm hearkening back to another guest we had on the podcast. Her name was Harriet Cabelli. And she had a daughter who was differently abled for her entire life. And uh, at first, her story was, why me? But then throughout her journey she developed this fascination with the same as you what makes some people come back what makes people resilient what makes people able to live lives coinciding with their grief instead of you know kind of sinking into it and staying there permanently so i'm i'm really fascinated to hear that in your voice as well because it seems like that curiosity that fascination is what drove you to start moving forward and i'm actually really I don't want to use the word surprised because we have a host of thoughts that fly in when grief happens. But it's interesting to me that your insistence on, I don't want this to define my life came so soon.
1: Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it It really did. Um, and that's a, sort of a whole other side conversation, but ultimately... Um, I think on a cellular level, on a soul level, I know I knew that my purpose here on life, the service that I was to do for this planet and its people was to bring healing. So I, I without consciously knowing that, I think on on a soul level I did know that. Um but I also have always been a staunch believer in hope. I've always been a staunch believer that things can and will get better. We just have to keep trying until we find what works for us, which kind of leads me right into the five facets, which ultimately what I discovered. And it was quite by accident, really, when I wrote my memoir, digging for the light. I know you're working on a book right now. So, and for everyone out there that's listening that has written a book, there's edits upon edits upon edits upon edits. and there's as many if not more hours in editing as there are in the writing of the book. And it was in one of the final edits um, that I was reading the passage where I wrote about the morning that I discovered my husband and my best friend having an affair. And what I wrote was every piece of hope I'd ever held on to before had just been shredded my faith in people and trust and dignity in God, every spiritual, emotional, physical, social and academic part of me laid in a heap to be tossed out with the garbage. It never made it to the garbage. I recycled it instead. And when I was reading that passage for the umpteenth time, those five things jumped off the page at me and ultimately they became the five facets which are, Um, The academic facet, which we all have an ability to learn, an individual capacity to learn. The emotional facet, we all have the ability to feel. The physical facet, we are all born into a body and into a physical environment. The social facet, we are all born with the ability to connect to the people and the planet around us, whether it be, you know, life and, um, nature or people or pets or plants. Um, and then the spiritual facet is the essence of who we are. It is that spirit or that soul that resides within. It's the part of us that knows our hopes and dreams, and it's what drives us. And though I call them the five universal gifts, we are all born with those gifts. And what my work does and what I realized is the people who are successful in moving forward tap into their own facets. And those facets exist in a hierarchy. And the the facet that's at the top of that hierarchy is enmeshed in everything that we do, whether we're suffering or feeling successful, that facet is somehow always in the mix. And not that the others are any less important, it's just they impact our day-to-day life differently. And the people that I had seen who had healed and recovered or found resolution or whatever your word is... Um, for that, they had, as I said, they had tapped into the, their facets, their strength. They found what they needed to move them forward. And so what I do is, um, help people, myself included, get in touch with their own five facets. You know, the details are, are different, which what is what makes us all divinely unique. And, that eclectic nature that we all bring to the table is what makes the world such a magical place. So tapping into those five facets and then learning how to put them to work for you so that you can live the life that you want, that dream life, regardless of what life throws at you.
0: I'm so fascinated by this because frameworks for grief or, kind of outlines for how grief works are are just really interesting to me. At first, you know, of course, it was the five stages of grief and learning about that. And then the grief recovery method, which has an eight week program that you can work through it with, but people who are able to see structure within a process that is often feels so unstructured, unstructured, like just with no bottom to it, with no support to it, with no kind of netting or a path forward is just really cool and really fascinating to me. And I wrote down what you said is that successful people tap into their five universal gifts. There's this this point where you recognize that you have these and have always had these and will continue to have them into the future and that you can use them to your advantage. So I'm curious how your five facets manifested themselves uh, or even maybe waited to manifest themselves during that seven year period for you when it seemed like
1: everything was going awry? Oh yeah. So, um, basically those, um, so how did the five facets manifest themselves? Um, so at the top of my facets hierarchy, once I started building this program and then testing this theory, obviously on myself first, um, I had the social facet and the academic facet in a dead heat, pardon the pun, but, and then I realized, okay, they, they can't be tied. Like one of them has to be, um, at the top, there's something that is more prevalent in day to day and in everything than others. So for me, the question that I asked was, Okay. The reason I had the academic facet was because I'm the queen of questions and my kids and my husband will tell you that. <laughs> I, I am just incessant with my questions. I have an innate curiosity for life and how things work and why things work the way they do and what makes people tick and what makes things work. So I'm always asking questions, but where the, and I love people. I, you know, as I said, I've, I I always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to be a nurturer. I've always wanted to be you know, a healer. I've always wanted to help end injustice. Um, so the question then for me was, where do I derive my answers to all of those questions? And what I realized is I don't go to academia. I don't go to textbooks. Um, I go to people. So anytime that I'm looking for information, I will go to people and I'll say, Shelby, have you experienced this? Or do you know of anybody that has experienced this? What did you do? Or what resources come to your mind? Or what what resources are you familiar with that I might not be? And then I call from the list of things that I curate from other people and their experiences. And I just take what works for me and then I run with it. So sometimes it will lead me to um, a particular doctor or a particular modality or a particular program. Um, so it's I get my information from people. So coming back to how did the five facets um, sort of evolve during that seven years, I... I tapped into people. You know, I grieved like the rest of us. I was angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at God. I was scared out of my mind for, you know, my children worried for a long time that I would never become a mom, which was always my dream. Uh, you know, I thought I was losing my mind during my periods of depression. And, um, you know, there were nights when I went to bed and I prayed to God in to my suffering. And you know, I said, You know that I can't commit suicide and you know that I can't I can't take any more, so please end my suffering and I would wake up in the morning and you know, I remember a couple of times I was still alive and I thought, Gosh, I can't even get dying right. Wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> I can't get living right. And so, you know, I I grieved just similarly to you know to all of us that have grieved and are grieving i mean as you know and our listeners know each loss event will stimulate its own grief and some can be long-lived and short-lived and everything in between but what i did to get me through each and every day was tap into that social connection with people i tapped into people um as much as I love people, I also love nature and I love animals. So sometimes I would just, you know, crawl into bed with my dog. And sometimes I would just go sit in the woods and listen to the wind and the birds and, um, the, we have a creek, a stream that runs through a property. And I've listened to that. So really that social facet is during those seven significant years of grief is really what I called upon to just get me through minute by minute and day by day.
0: Do you ever have days still or thoughts still where you look at your life and you're still angry or grieving or this isn't what I thought
1: this would look like? Um, so that's yes and no. Um, no, no, to the grief conflicts that I've already found resolution in, like the death of my son. Um, I honestly can say, and I say this to every group that I speak in front of, I no longer mourn my son. Um, he just turned 28 on May 11th, and I, I truly no longer mourn him. I'm now able to appreciate value and celebrate the life that we did have together and the relationship that we continue to have in spirit. Um, there are loss events in my life that haven't been fully, fully resolved. There are still some pieces of conflict that I'm, I'm trying to find what works for me. Um, so there there's tendrils that show up every once in a while. And I, and I do think, okay, how much longer is this going to (laughs) last? You know, and I pull out that little hammer and I kind of beat myself up a little bit. And then I go, okay, so now, now you've, you've, you know, you've honored your grief. And so let's, let's move on to the next thing. Where can we look to hopefully find the, the, the next phrase or statement or person or assistance or just, Resolution frame of mind perspective that is going to help me, then, for lack of a better phrase, put that to bed once and for all. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And I want to point out to everybody listening today that this is a reminder, too, that grief doesn't end after a year or six months or whatever the societally prescribed time is we still I still uh, wrestle with grief with loss with new things that come up new losses that come up years after the fact and while the emotion and the action of mourning may be finished there's still I mean there's still things that linger you just said it very well there's still things that have not quite found a resolution and we we spend the rest of our lives kind of trying to I'm doing a visual with my hands right now, like knob turning or tweaking, uh, mm-hmm. our lives and tweaking our mindsets and reframing our stories to find places where these losses do fit.
1: Right. And I wish I could remember who said this and remember the exact quote. Um, but we are a culmination of every experience in our life, good, bad, or indifferent. So one of the things that, um, I say is that as humans here, sort of our, what our, our goal, our process from the time we become aware of ourselves to the time that we die is, you know, we're all about personal and soul growth or personal and spiritual growth, whatever, whatever resonates with you. And so we will, We will have certain experiences that we will grow through and then we'll sort of reach a new plateau in our understanding and our maturity and our wisdom. And then we will experience some other type of loss then, which what I like to say is loss is just an opportunity. Loss or struggle is an opportunity for personal and soul growth. So then we have all of those experiences that that we bring to the table where we are now. And when we experience a different challenge, some of those will resurrect themselves. And again, we we'll, we do see repeating themes throughout our life. And and ultimately, then we can use all of those experiences. And say so, OK, this is what worked. This is what didn't work this is what I want to know. Now, this is what I do know to help me figure it out and then go, you know, take ourselves to the next level. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a process and I, I would just like to add, um, to what add on piggyback on what you said about grief. Isn't just a year or six months. Um, and we have what I call big and little losses and, some losses and grief we will work through very quickly and some will take us a lot longer to work through. And there is no comparison and there is no right or wrong. But one of the things that I do encounter over and over and over again is um, people find that the second and third year in a significant loss event, so the second and third year into their grief, Tends to feel the hardest, and what I found is, you know, the first year we experience a significant loss in our life, we have like this natural sort of um, uh, anesthesia. Our our body's in shock, right? We have that natural state Mm -hmm, of shock mm -hmm. that protects us, and then this the second year is, you know, that first year is also we. There's usually a lot of business that has to be taken care of, things that have to be settled, things that have to be done, especially when there's the death of a loved one or, you know, a major relationship separation or division. Um, the second year is filled with firsts, you know, the, the first birthday or holiday without, um, the first it's the first of many, right? This the second year we become aware of all those first and and the that natural um shock is wearing off. And then the third year we start to realize the finality that it the you know the eternal nature of our new existence. And that's and then that natural um shock has all worn off. And so we're faced with the full reality. And one of the expressions that I often hear and read, you know, in the grief world is the new normal. Mm-hmm. And I really, I do, I like that expression. You know, I, I say it's not that what happened to a healing doesn't mean that what happened to us doesn't exist or is any less than. It just means that, you know, moving forward, It's going to be different in my marriage. I mean, I'm still married to uh, my husband. We just celebrated our 29th anniversary. And, you know, I had to realize that my marriage, as I knew it, died. There was a death in my marriage as I knew it. And I had to create a different, a new, you know, a new look on that marriage and move forward. And the same, you know, with my son, Gavin, who died. My expectations and visions of being his mom, as I knew them to be, no longer could be. So I could either stay stuck in that or I could say, okay, how can I continue to to move forward in a new normal, having a new or different relationship than what I'd always expected or envisioned based on what society tells us is, quote unquote, normal or what we believe is going to be normal does that make sense
0: it does and uh, yeah i've heard this before about the second and the third year and it was true for me i don't want to you know blanket statement and tell everybody get ready because the second and third years are going to really suck um but right. yeah, it, the the numbness, that protective mechanism, that has worn off. And then you start edging into, oh, my God, this is really my life now. It's not a dream. It's not, you know, I haven't just been going crazy for a year. There's nothing really to occupy the mind. And for me, that was when a majority of this overhauling this – um re-inclusion or this expanding and the new inclusion of the new normal began happening because more or less, we have no other choice um, but to but to move forward and to figure out how to negotiate life again in this new normal. So yeah, that, that, that resonated very, very strongly with me. Um, I'm curious now, I'm looking into... Uh, your involvement with the bereavement cruise. And I'm kind of wondering how you came to the bereavement cruise, how you got involved with it, and then the workshop that you're presenting, which is called Finding Wellness Amid Grief.
1: Uh, How did I come to the bereavement cruise? So um, I did an interview with the Open to Hope Foundation in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, they have a cable TV segment and Glenn Lord was there. Glenn is one of the founders of the um, grief cruise with Linda Finley. And Glenn was there and I just overheard a conversation with him. And then um, uh, Sharon Ellers, who is uh, a good friend of mine um, out on the West Coast, she just mentioned in a conversation that they were accepting, um, presenters and that she had applied. And so I looked it up and applied and, and here I am. And the, the workshop that I'm going to be presenting is, uh, finding healing in grief and beyond. So my work is kind of twofold. This five facets program that I created, all of my focus is on how we heal. There are so many wonderful, beautiful um, specialists who focus on grief and helping people in grief. My focus is on how we heal. And so the program was initially geared toward helping people move beyond bereavement, understanding that there is life beyond bereavement. And how do you how do you find that resolution? How do you tap into your five facets? All of that. Um, but then I found there's a great need. I had many people asking me, how do I, how do I find healing in grief? And so the, I offer, um, workshops and, and simple strategies to help people find healing and peace in the moment while they're in active grief. So if they're in the grocery store, and all of a sudden a song comes on or they see somebody with a baby in a stroller or they see an ex or whatever, and they feel like they're going to come unglued or they wake up at three o'clock in the morning and their support team isn't available. How can you help yourself in that moment to just find peace, to get you through, to find little bits of healing? So in the the workshop for the cruise will kind of be Just touching on both of those elements. And I'll be offering some simple strategies and tools for people to take away.
0: That's perfect. And I think there are so many of these instances, especially uh, in the first moments of our grief, where we're like, everything is a trigger. Everything is really raw and feels very exposed. And yes, a trip to the grocery store, going to the mechanic, or going for me, going back to school, going to college was huge. for me and then you know things like going to concerts or even being out to dinner with friends and the types of conversations that come up being able to shift that panicked energy of oh this is the first time i'm having to deal with this since the loss happened or this is you know all new to me or really overwhelming to me and being able to shift that to this is something i know how to handle i think is really really
1: powerful Mm -hmm. right it is i mean and we uh, we so many of us don't Don't look at the fact that, you know, we are healing walks right alongside our grief. And we have, you know, we we tend to think, okay, healing is just going to happen or healing is what happens at the end of the grief process, but it doesn't. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, there's a perception that it happens later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Nope. It actually, so healing is a process. And what I like to say is, you know, there's a dance between grief and healing. And, you know, ultimately, healing doesn't mean what happened to us is okay. It just simply means that we can be okay in the face of whatever our adversity is. And um, once we find resolution and all those little conflict pieces that comprise our grief, uh, and that happens bit by bit, we grieve, we heal, we grieve, we heal, we grieve, we heal. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer impacted um, on a day-to-day basis by by whatever it was and you know ultimately for people whose goal is to one day whether they know it or not one day be able to celebrate their loved one's life or find appreciation or gratitude in what was before whether it's a relationship or a job or a home or a pet um, to be able to to celebrate that and have gratitude without the, the lingering pain or sadness. It is, po- you know, it is, it is possible. And if you had told me that 26 years ago, 25 years ago, I would have said no way, no how. Um, but ultimately when I, I, I think I said this in the beginning, but when I got to the other side following my son's death, I realized that, you know, that very, or in those early days when I said, you know, I didn't want to spend a lifetime mourning him. Ultimately, what I wanted once I got there was to be able to celebrate his life. And, um, so I didn't know that going in. It wasn't until I had done all of the work. And some people know that going in, they know what they want and it will guide them. And there's no right or wrong, you know?
0: Grief growers, I'm just taking a minute to absorb this idea that healing and coming back sometimes looks like us being in a state of disbelief about whether or not it's actually going to happen. Um, you telling yourself 26, 28 years ago that I'm going to be able to come out of this. Uh, no, I don't. Why would you believe that to be true? And the same is true in my own lost story too. people that dropped off You know, grief recovery books and inspirational books at our house just weeks after my mom died. I said, there's no way that I can believe that this is going to be true for my life. And so much of coming back, I'm just really picking up on this from you today. I'm getting chills as I'm saying this. So it's a divine download happening uh, right now that much of our healing, much of our growth, much of our progress occurs in a state where we still believe that that's not what's happening. And that's not because we're stupid or incapable or can't see the bigger picture, but it's because we're we're grieving. We're in the midst of grief. We don't disbelief. I think is is part of the process.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And you know, our um, one of the things that I've learned is that our the the level of our grief is not about what we've lost, but it's about our attachment. To what has gone missing from our life. And so the more important and involved something is in our day to day life, the, the more complex that, that grief can be. And that disbelief, you know, um, is, as you say, I mean, that's, that's the beginning of trying to process what just happened because we're human and we have expectations and beliefs and a, a pattern that typically plays itself out, but it doesn't always happen that way. And um, it is, it's it's kind of uh, mind-blowing, you know, and I remember all the books that I received. I'll be honest with you, I didn't read them. <laughs>
0: I, no, I mean, why would you in that I, moment?
1: I, yeah, I could, you know, I couldn't. It it was all I could do most days just to to get out of bed. You know, and some days I wasn't even successful in that, as Is I'm sure many, you know, you can probably relate. Many of our listeners, you know, can relate to. And but it's so we're, we're talking about super significant loss events and very complex and complicated grief. So for the listeners that we have, you know, who, who are listening and, um, their grief might not be as complex, but it's still grief. I, one of the things, so part of my program, um, has a component called the five steps of healing. And the first of the five steps is to choose grief. And it's just important. And I'd like to add this, if I may, it's important to recognize that there is no comparison in grief. We do that to each other and to ourselves. And, you know, I, I see it in child loss. There's, there tends to be a comparison of, well, that yours was miscarriage or infertility or stillbirth, or you had your child for two days or 20 years. And I didn't. And, I just encourage everybody to, there is no comparison. If we can have compassion for each individual person's experience and each person can be kind to themselves when they're grieving and just say, I'm grieving. I'm sad about this. I'm suffering over this. I don't care what it is, you know. Whatever your loss is, if it feels significant to you, it is a significant loss. And honor that because that is the first step to healing and finding resolution in that grief conflict.
0: I just love those two words, choose grief. So often we try to push it away. We want to believe that it's not happening. uh, And we tell ourselves that we shouldn't be having it. But to to look at it to, kind of, I mean, for lack of better phrasing, to behold grief and then to reach out for it and say, okay, yeah, you do belong to me. I, I am choosing you. That is, so is really that significant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That gives me chills when
0: you said that. <laughs> I'm like, beautiful. it's not a coming back interview unless we've both gotten chills.
1: Beautiful to behold. Yes. Yeah. I mean... It let's just face it, it doesn't, an ugly cry doesn't feel beautiful. Being scared out of your mind doesn't feel beautiful, but it really is. And, you know, in so many day-to-day situations, um, we've got to get back to work in three to five days. We've got spouses or children or in-laws or friends that, you know, we have to get back to things that we have to do. Our lawns have to be mowed and dishes have to be washed. And so it's like, okay, get over it, get over it. But you know, just, it is, it's so important. There are so many things in life saying, don't grieve. And, and I, again, I just love that expression. Now tell me if I'm getting this right. You said, you know, grief is just, a is beautiful to behold. Is that what you said?
0: You know, what's funny is I didn't say the word beautiful at all, but I like that you inserted it in there. <laughs> I said that uh, to, to behold grief and to actually look at it, um, but but I love that because grief, when we do look at it, it's not the threatening, menacing, life ruining force that you know movies, TV, even other people can make it out to be. It's something that, uh, in a way, at least in my world and my grief experience, it's almost acted like an invitation. It's how else can I see my life? How else can I go forward? Who else am I surrounded by that can help?
1: Right, and one of the things that I found uh, in my own experiences and through the people that I've worked with is, I love your word imitation. I say opportunity, but it is an invitation for so much more. And when we are able to to choose grief, do the grief process, allow healing to walk alongside it, and and seek out what we need as individuals because it's different for all of us. Once we can find those resolution pieces, our lives are so much m- more enriched by the experience, which began with grief. Um, but getting there can be hard. It can be ugly and it can be hard, but uh, what is it they say? Hindsight is twenty-twenty. You know, and, um, once we get to that other side, whatever quote unquote that other side is for us, we can see the value in, in everything that has happened. And we can use it as fuel again to just live that best life, that dream life. We all deserve that, right? every single one of us deserves to be able to live the life we dream of.
0: So for somebody who's in a state of that disbelief right now, thinking there's no way that my dream life is even attainable, what is maybe
1: one thing that you would tell them today? Um, I would tell them to have hope and to hold on. Just just have hope and hold on. And I love um the tagline that open to hope uses, they say if you are having a hard time finding hope, and I, I don't think I'm getting this exactly right, but if you've lost hope, uh, if you've lost hope or don't have hope, hold on to lean on ours until you find your own. I, I think that's what they say. Um so that that would be that would be sort of my nugget is you know just keep hoping and holding on and knowing that things can and will get better if you just keep choosing it choose grief and choose healing and allow the two to be a part of your life
0: that is just a perfect note to end on and before we go for the day and elizabeth i would love to let people know where they can find you and your books and anything else you would like to offer up today
1: uh, so they can find me, uh, through my website at either annaelisabeth.com or the five facets of com, And pretty much from there, they can link to my social media sites. Um, I do have, I'm building a YouTube, um, channel. Uh, so any followers, anybody that's on YouTube, um, subscribe and follow there. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram. Um So, yeah, and you can, uh, my book is on Amazon and the one I'm working on right now. Um, hopefully, we'll be out within the next year. That um, will be available on Amazon, too
0: that's awesome and Barnes and Noble so excited oh yes everywhere fine books are sold Amazon and Barnes and Noble yes (laughs) right yes
1: you've got that down pat
0: excellent well Anna Elizabeth thank you so much for joining us today Grief Growers if you'd like to join Anna Elizabeth and I in person we will both be on the Bereavement Cruise 2019 coming up March 3rd through 10th in less than six months now we are so excited excited I know
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is going to be a major um, transformation at sea for everybody involved. So I thank you for your podcast, Shelby, and for all you do to help heal worlds of hurt for inviting me to be a guest today. And um, I can't wait to actually meet you in person and carry this conversation on.
0: So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. Thank you so much to Anna Elizabeth for coming on the show today and encouraging us to look at which of the five facets is helping us to heal in the aftermath of loss. Anna Elizabeth came back by asking the people around her for support and guidance and by continuing to find resolution for grief left unresolved in her life. You can find a link to Anna Elizabeth's website in the show notes. Join me Monday, October 22nd at 8 o'clock p.m. Central for my monthly hour-long Google Hangout. This is open to all Patreon patrons for the first time ever, so I'll hope you'll join me there. Come sail with me and your fellow grief growers on the 2019 Bereavement Cruise by requesting more information at comingbackcruise.com. If this show has changed the way you see grief and loss, go to patreon.com slash Shelby Forsythia, where you can pledge for as little as $1 per month and get some very cool podcast rewards for doing so. If you liked what you heard today, you can also support the show by subscribing on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and by telling a friend about coming back because you never know what someone you love is going through. Thank you to Mr. Addy Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia, Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at griefguides forsythia or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, leave a voicemail or text 312-725-3043 or email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. As always, my grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you. I am proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world you. Because even through grief, we are growing.